The Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Ready for this. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, featuring New York sports off and long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. We got a good show for you this week. The NHL has announced they are coming back. We have a plan for hockey in place. So, as usual in this podcast, when we talk hockey, we got to bring on our hockey guy, Pete Consadori. We're going to break down the return to action for the NHL, talk a little bit about like where the league was at the standings, what it means for the locals who will be involved. Both the Rangers and the Islanders will be picking up the season. The Devils will not. We'll talk about that coming up in just a bit. I'm also going to talk to Pete speak about some of his favorite hockey movies. Last week, it was fun talking about golf movies, Caddyshack, Happy Gilmore, talk with Alan Austin. This week, we'll get Pete's picks for the best hockey movies out there. Talk about that as well. But I want to get started with this week's opening tip. I want to talk about the latest with the MLB negotiation saga. And right now, this is a drawn-out negotiation. And despite all the people who are saying, you know, this is fine. Everyone knows they have to play. The posture coming out of both sides at the moment is not good. Let's start with the owners here. We get there finally. They give them an economic proposal on Tuesday, the 26th. And this is something we've been waiting for for a couple of weeks. We knew that they had floated the 50-50 revenue split. Something that the owners were not, I mean, not the owners, the players were not too keen on. They do not go with that. Instead, what they propose is basically a sliding pay scale cut to basically cut the player's salaries even more. The effect is here that the guys on the lower end of the pay scale, like your rookies or young players who are pre-arb, they get like a 10% pay cut, but the guys at the top of the food chain, your Pete, your uh, Mike Trouts, your Clayton Kershaws, your Gary Coles, they get, get cut down about almost 80% of their money off what a full season would have been. And obviously, that did not go over well with the players. Max Scherzer basically was an influential player in the union committee. Tweet out that they are not going to even accept this. This is not acceptable. They're going to come up with their own proposal, which has not come out yet as of recording date on Friday the 29th. But the theory operating is the players are going to offer more games because right now the owners want to play 82. The the players are going to offer prorated salary, keep their prorated salaries, and add Go to 100 games. Right now, the owners are claiming, no, 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 that can't happen. We're going to lose too much money doing this. And we've seen the effects on the game right now. We have teams basically whacking minor leaguers left and right, cutting thousands of minor leaguers to try and save some cash. The Oakland A's stopped paying their minor leaguers, period, after May 31st. They sent a letter out saying, you know what, we can't afford to do it, sorry. The owner of the Oakland A's, John Fisher, is worth three point is about three billion dollars, paying the minor leaguers four hundred dollars a week from June, July, and August. That's how the minor league season ends. It's not it doesn't go to September. Paying them four hundred dollars a week would have cost him basically the equivalent of a million bucks, and he didn't do it. They are also one of the teams that's in furloughing staff. The Angels did it too, and Artie Moreno has three point three billion dollars, couldn't afford to pay his own staff. This looks very ugly because both these sides are jockeying for leverage, trying to get their message out to the public, leaking things left and right, saying, 
You know what? Like, we'll get the public on our side. Right now, the public does not care who is at fault here. These owners and players need to wake up, smell the coffee, and look what's going on around them in this country. This is a country now where there are 41 million people who do not have a job. Over 100,000 people have died from the coronavirus in this country. You have racial injustice going on in this country with the George Floyd situation, and that is far more important than whether the owners and the players are right about baseball and who should divide up the $2 billion, $3 billion to be left over when the revenue streams here. The fans do not care. If you take the game away from them, and right now this country needs something like baseball more than ever, if you take it away over dollars and cents, this country and a lot of the fans, it will never forgive this sport. 1994 will look like a drop in the bucket compared to what happens if we do not play baseball in 2020 because of money. If the health concerns are an issue, fine, but... The NHL, as we're going to discuss in a minute, is attempting to play a season and finish out their playoffs despite the coronavirus. The NBA is planning on a coming back. College sports are discussing ways to come back. The NFL looks like it's going to start on time. If Major League Baseball is the one sport to sit out of 2020 because of the coronavirus and it's not due to health, shame on them. Seriously, shame on them. These owners are a special kind of, you know what? These owners are basically have you crying poor and thinking that, that even though they're all worth billions of dollars, that they cannot possibly stomach going with a loss for one year. And that, no, we're not going on the field. We want the players to take all the risk and reduce their pay. We want them to risk their health, and who knows what the long-term effects on this is, because there are reports that the coronavirus causes lung damage in people who survive it. Imagine an elite athlete having to deal with damaged lungs that could impact their forms for years and their earning potential. You can make the argument, honestly, that these athletes should be getting paid more to go perform because they are not providing an essential service. They are providing an entertainment service. It is not essential for them to go play baseball right now. But... For some reason in this country, the ownership wins the public battle, but they really shouldn't. The ownership has looked very cheap in this whole thing. With the furloughs, they're basically cutting off their nose despite their face with the driving the minor leaguers out of the game, shortening the draft, furloughing the staff. These are all people who are passionate about baseball, and you're shrinking the industry to save pocket change relative to what they're worth. Not a great look for the league right now. That's a massive problem. And think about this for a second here. We'll take Mike Trout, for example. He had $35 million salary coming in here. They agreed to prorate the salaries for gains played. So right now, according to the 82-game proposal, Mike Trout made about $17 million. And according to MLB's sliding scale pay cuts, Mike Trout would now be playing the entire season for $6 million. Imagine for a second if you were at work right now. And your boss came in and said, hey, you know what? We're going to keep you on. We're going to work through this thing. But you have to cut your salary by 80%. Sounds like a good deal, right? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And this is a dumb move by baseball because the union clearly thinks, you know what? This is an attempt by the league to try and split us between the lower paid guys who need the money more than the higher paid guys. And 
basically dare the higher pay guys, you know, we're not going to let you lower pay guys earn a check. That did not work. The union is back together stronger than ever. And the union, I also want to point out, they agree, they say they took a pay cut. They've not taken a pay cut. They agree to be paid for amount of gains played. That is not a pay cut. They are being paid half a season's worth of gains right now, according to the deal they agreed. None of this matters, though. The public does not care who's right. The public does not care whose lawyers are smarter and don't care. Oh, Joel Sherman, the New York Post, had this smoking gun email showing that the players got out foxed. Public does not care about that. The fans who are your lifeblood, and according to the owners, they're 40% of your revenue base. You're going to piss them off over dollars and cents? Come on, guys. You got to be smarter than this. We'll see what happens with them over the coming weeks. But up next, we are going to talk about a league that actually is intending to play. We're going to talk about the hockey, National Hockey League with Pete Considori right after this. On the sharp angle shot. Panarin. Up the middle. Sabanajan. He goes to the net. He scores. He scores. The Rangers win. Mika Sabanajan with five goals. Do you believe it? All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast. You just heard MSG Sam Rosen calling the fifth goal of Mike Mika Zibanejad's game against the Washington Capitals back in February. Joining me today, the guy whose voice you hear every week in the introduction and outro of this podcast, one of the last people actually did a live podcast recording with in person, the great Pete Considori. Pete, welcome. How are you? Uh, th- thank you for having me. Do, do I get some sort of like commendation for that or a medal that was the, one of the last live ones? You were one of the last. That's- Last live ones. Insane. That's insane. Yeah, because I, I was looking at my list today. I'm like, when was it? I think it was this. I saw it today that I own the studio I usually do this in. They are right. open, opening up again in August. And I'm looking at this and like, when was the last time I was actually down there? I, I had three. The oh. last three I did were February. It was you for the Wayne Gretzky episode. I had, right. I had Joe D. On, in the back, I was talking about the XFL, and that's changed a lot since then. Oh. Oh, 100% change that. <laughs> yeah, and I think Will Schneiderhand, Sandra Rose had spots for 100 at the, in the studio. That's the last time I've been in there. That's, that's, that's definitely been a while. I mean, I, I work at Iona. We haven't been on campus since, uh, I don't know, mid-March. I want to say, like, just they, they extended spring break for the students, and then and then we were we were on COVID quarantine a little bit here. Um, uh, crazy stuff going on in the world, but, you know, always a pleasure to come on and talk hockey with you. I mean, I miss it. I miss the sport. Um, and, uh, we have a, we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today. Don't we Mike? Yes, we do. Before we get into that though, I will say on number one, it was funny seeing and recording on Friday, 29, funny seeing Andrew Quello do his daily coronavirus pre- press briefing at Iona's Lapenta bit school of business. That was definitely interesting. I did see that, you know, I didn't even know he was doing that. And then I was actually scrolling through, I believe it was Iona's Instagram feed. And I saw, it and I was like, Oh wow. He was actually there in the, in the brand new built, um, Lapenta school of business. So, um, yeah, definitely a surprise there. I didn't know he was gonna he was gonna be there. So yeah. he was just gonna be in Albany or, or or I think he did some in Buffalo, I believe, right? Yeah, he's bounced around a little bit lately. Shout out to Governor Cole, you're not never gonna listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you never know, dude. You never know. Yeah, so shout out to the governor. Big big fan here right now. And number and number two, how have you been doing in the quarant- corona quarantine? Yeah, so um, let's call this the COVID era of everything, right? You know, the, the, the steroid era in baseball. Let's call yep. this just the COVID era. Um, yeah, you know, I'm doing I'm doing okay. Yeah, getting a little stir crazy working from home. Um, thankfully, I still have my job. Gratefully, um, and uh, you know, working from home nine to five in my uh, in my little home office 
slash room office here has been interesting to say the least. Um, things are, you know, for the listeners not listening in New York, things are looking a little, uh, on the bright side here in New York where things are starting to open up. I know Westchester County where I am, uh, we started phase one Tuesday, so that's exciting. So I'm hoping that I can get back on the ice by like midsummer. Um, I haven't been on the ice since March and it's been killing me. I think that's the thing that's killing me the most, right? We were talking a little bit off air. Like, I don't even care that my hair is getting long. I just haven't been on the ice. Like, I feel like such a lazy bum right now. I've just been like, okay, do my work. All right, go play Xbox. All right, maybe I'll take a walk. Nah, nah, screw the walk. I don't want to take a walk. Let's play some more Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> Very lazy. Yeah, I feel that. When we're, done, when we're done, I'll send you a picture of the podcast studio on the road. It's definitely very bootleg, but it, this, this, thanks to these guys at Roadcaster, this is allowed the show to go on, even though Iona has been closed since mid-March. And I was actually Listen, dude, it, it doesn't matter what the setup looks like as long as the podcast gets out there, right? Exactly, and I was funny. I was actually at Iona the last day there were actually students on campus because I was there like right before we left for the MAC tournament in Atlantic City. I was working at Lakes that day. Right. Like, I was there right. the Monday they announced they were closing for the extended spring break, and then then we never went back again. <laughs> never to return. <laughs> never to return, indeed. But luckily, hockey is about to return. You like you like that segue? <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a fantastic segue, Mike. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, we're here today because this was going to be scheduled last week, next week. But then I had a sense that hockey's coming back. I got pee in the horse. I pee. Let's do it this week. And luckily, Gary Bettman came through and announced the NHL's plan to return. On, I believe it was Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever it was, it came up. And, P, what was your overall thoughts on this return-to-play plan? So, a lot of different parts of this return-to-play plan, right? We have um, the playoff format, what it's going to look like. We have the teams that are not in the playoff format, what that's going to look like. We have the draft. We have the NHL awards. Um, we have the overall end of the regular season. Um, and I know you'll get into those uh, a lot, but... The thing I actually am really excited about, and not, I'm, I don't know if it's because I've been so deprived of hockey that I'm like, oh my God, this, this tournament kind of thing looks awesome. Um, but is the 2014 playoff format, um, and I know you'll probably ask a couple questions too, so I don't, I don't want to bury a leader or jump the gun or anything, but when we get into this 2014 playoff format, it actually seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does sound like a lot of fun, and I mean – Let's go through some big points here. Obviously, like right now they're in phase one where everybody's self-isolating. Right now, I think they said the target time is phase two is starting in June where players come back to the teams for individualized workouts and groups of no more than six. Training camp starting no later right. no earlier than July first. They have two they're gonna split the league up the east and west. They go to two hub cities from a list of ten. The ten options right now are Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Vegas, LA. Minneapolis-St. Paul, though, that one might be off the board for a little bit, considering the recent events there. Pittsburgh, right. Toronto, Vancouver. They best of five playing rounds, you mentioned, for teams five through 12 in the conference. Teams one to four basically play round-robin regular season style. You have to see and get them in game shape, so not just sitting on the sidelines waiting for them, the other teams to finish up. First and second right. round could be potentially best of five or best of seven to be TBD. Last two rounds, best of seven at one of the hub sites. Essentially, Batman mentioned this off the air, said, if conditions are improved enough by that point, it's possibly you could be at home arenas at that point. But for now, I said the most likely scenario is a hub city format. Right. I think I think personally, the hub city format, they should just stick to a plan. They shouldn't deviate too much. I mean, this is the first major league sport except for NASCAR to come out and say, hey, we have a plan. This is what's going to happen. And we're going to stick to that plan and see what happens um, from here on out. Um, don't be confused to the, to the viewers listening. Um, some states have given 
the rights to sports teams to go back to their training facilities, but the league themselves are saying, hey, we're not going to allow certain things to happen. So I'm assuming that the New York Rangers, because Governor Cuomo approved this, can go back to the training facility um, and train if they need, but it has to be under, I'm sure, strict guidelines, and the league is not recognizing it as league play or league practice, right? Um, Training camps, like you said, can start no earlier than July 1st. I think that's fair. Training camps will be much earlier this year, right? So usually training camps camps happen right before the preseason, and then you start weeding away all the people that you don't want on the team, making your cuts, who you're sending down, who you're looking to trade. Um, But it looks like training camp's going to hit mid-summer, right? So let's say July 1st. Let's say if people start the training camp then. You, you start to you start to wonder what the dynamic of the next full season will be because we know that this regular season has ended, right? But the next full season, you have people that are going to be playing in training camps that cannot participate in this playoff tournament. Yeah, that's also a very interesting point because you would assume that, like, obviously the AHL season's over, so you figure that these teams are going to have expanded rosters sort of, you know, give themselves cushion, like, in case one guy gets the coronavirus, that they can bring another guy up from the from the from the practice taxi squad, basically. But you would wonder. Right. You brought something to me off air, like a case like the Rangers, like a guy like Keandre Miller who signed with the team after the shutdown happened. Like he might be skating with them, but he's not eligible to play. Whereas you would think maybe guys who are already in the system at that point would be eligible to be added to the taxi squad. Right. I would assume that the same eligibility rules would apply, even though what's going on with the COVID. Um, you know whatever that what that what that roster eligibility may be i just find it interesting that you have prospects coming in like for example let's say vitaly krotskov from uh the rangers he's been loaned over uh overseas to i believe one of the russian teams if he comes back for this training camp let's say they have training camps july 1st now the league says they can start no earlier than july 1st that doesn't mean they will start july 1st but let's just say a team wants to do their training camp or the league wants to do the training camp before these playoffs Imagine Vitaly Kratsov coming over from Russia to play in these training camps, and then he's sitting until preseason starts mid-September. That's not really a great start for a rookie or a prospect because a lot of these guys get their NHL legs in the training camp and the preseason. Granted, their rookie seasons, they're still trying to find their legs and try to compete the level of the game that they've been sitting at. But that's, that's a good chunk of time to be like, okay, this is training camp, which is not as difficult as preseason and then preseason is not as difficult as regular season but there's gonna be this huge gap yeah and also the thing that's been i haven't officially stated but basically implies that the next season will be pushed back to accommodate the end of this season because assuming they start this playoffs at the end of july it seems to be the earliest right now it will go they're basically gonna play through september to award the cup and then they might from the logical sense of the game they're gonna push the season back the nba's race hinted they're gonna push theirs back 2021 yeah. season until december 25th possibly christmas I could see hockey saying, you know, we're going to start on January 1st, start with the Winter Classic, and then just go from there because it'll buy them time to potentially avoid second wave of the virus. And hopefully they need to get fans in the stands next year. So I think that might be something that happens. Right. But you know what the problem with that is, is that you're going to to have to make a sacrifice somewhere, right? If you start the season, the 82-game season, starting with the Winter Classic on January 1st. I think that's a great kickoff to a, to a season. That's actually a really cool idea. But However, you, you still have, what, two and a half, three months of hockey that you need to make up for now instead of ending the season in the beginning of, of um, what is it, April, May, I think, is yeah. probably the, the end of the season. I, I'm, I'm yeah. yeah, I think mid-April. 
Right. Mid-April is the end of the regular season. Now you're looking at, what, mid-July? Yeah, that's right. That's you're looking at mid-July to be the end, and then you're still playing the playoffs until September. If you sh- There's going to have to be a sacrifice. You're going to have to have teams start right away, right after a playoff series somewhere. Yeah. If it's not this season, it's going to be next season. You're going to have to make that sacrifice. Now, what's also really intriguing, and we don't have to get into this too much because I know you want to talk about the, the 2014 playoff format and everything, but what's really intriguing is not this coming new season, but the next coming season, the 2021-2022 season, will have the introduction of our 32nd team in Seattle. So now you have to, if you push next season, you have to do everything within, let's say, a month span to get the season to start on time. Let's say you push next season to end, let's say you can get it to end by mid-June. Then you have the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's call that a month and a half. Let's call it two, whatever. Let's say that brings you to August. You have between August and September, which is a month's time, to do the expansion draft for Seattle, to make trades, to to hand out awards, to do training camps for prospects, all these different things that does not give Seattle or any organizations much time for any sort of wiggle room or concentrated, intelligent thinking of who to protect, who not to protect. Yeah, the Seattle problem is a very interesting challenge because obviously they will take Seattle happily because that's extra money going to the other 31 teams' pockets, which they will happily take right now considering they're going to lose revenue for the rest of this year and possibly part of next year because of the because of the diminished capacity for fans in there. And we've learned over the course right. of this thing how important the fans' revenue are to these to these teams yep. because all these leagues are going to take massive losses even because the TV contract alone don't satisfy the money they're required to run these operations. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, uh, I, just, I, just, I just find it interesting that Seattle is literally going to come at the tail, tail end of all of this stuff going on. Yes. Because they're going to start in the 2021-2022 season. If we just start getting fans back into seats in 2021, imagine how much stuff is going to be crammed into the year 2021 for the NHL. Now, NBA is different. MLB is different. Um, NFL is different. Like, just by the nature of the beast that is the NHL, there's not much wiggle room or not much time for fault. Yes, there is not because then you, because this is more, and you worry about where the next season, you're just, I assume you see a lot more back to backs. That's something where you have mm-hmm. to strike here, where you have some teams play like four games in five days more often than not yep. to try and make, you know, time probably, to counter. You'll probably, you'll probably see the bye week go away. Yeah, the bye will go away. Especially then, for this season. They might cancel the all star game to make up time. I could see stuff like that mm-hmm. happening. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, because it could be they could treat like the Olympic style year where they basically get rid of the All Star game, basically basically cut out as much fat as they can to try and cram as much in and get them as get back Correct. on schedule as much as possible. That's Correct. obviously a future That's probably problem. the right exactly. It's obviously a future problem. So right now we we'll deal with the current situation, which is they're going to try and finish this season. They have a twenty four team plan set up here and. What do yep. you, you think of the idea of the twenty four team? Because I thought the way Gary Bettman explained it, I thought it made a lot of sense. So, so it's it, it's intriguing yet concerning, and I don't, and and I'm more excited than I am concerned, and I'll explain why. The proposed 2014 playoff format is going to be a round robin and a bracket of some sorts. Okay, so for example, in the East, what you're having is you have the bottom portion of the conference. Now, granted, there are seven teams that did not make this playoff format. Okay, that's seven teams who were probably out of the playoff running mathematically anyway, but you pretty much just told the bottom seven teams, hey, listen, there's no room for you in this in this 
bracket tournament where everyone kind of gets a shot that was kind of in the running for the playoffs. If I was one of those teams that didn't get a chance to just get in the bracket, I'd be pretty pissed off, but this is the way it's going. Um, by the way, those seven teams can make trades right now since they're not involved in anything going on um, in the playoff format, which is also which is also intriguing that trades can go on while this playoff format will, will continue. Um, but let's talk about the East. What's going to happen is the top four of the East, which is the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals, and the Philadelphia Flyers, they're going to play in a round-robin-style tournament for seeding. So it's not just for them to be warmed up to go against the play-in teams. It's for literal seeding to see who's going to sit where to play these teams. So, for example, the 8-9 and nine seed of the play-in round is the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. The number one seed will play the winner of that play-in round. So Boston is the top team. I think they got the President's Trophy this year, if I'm not mistaken. They lose in this round robin. Tampa Bay can be going up against the Toronto Maple Leafs and the, and, the, and the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Boston Bruins could be going up against the Islanders and the Panthers. Those are two different matchups, okay? If you get Boston-Toronto again, I just, I'm just going to call that something's up, the fix is in, because it's always Boston-Toronto in the first round for some reason. It just always works that way, right? But Toronto's going to play the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to play the Canadians, the Islanders are going to play the Panthers, and the Hurricanes are going to play the Rangers, Okay. What they're doing is this round robin tournament is going to put those bracket uh, those those teams into brackets. The concerning part to me is that they're not reseeding, from what I hear. They're going to let these teams play whatever seed you wind up in in this round robin kind of you know World Juniors style tournament. That's where you get selected into the bracket. Okay, reseeding would give Boston the advantage because if they were the top team in the NHL, they'll play the bottom team of whoever won the play-ins. That gives them the advantage there. However, I think it's fun because now it gives these top seeds something to play for in the first round. Like usually what happens when I see a first round matchup where you have a big kind of big boy playing like the, you know, the, 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 the underdog you see either a blowout or you see a, a complete upset, right? So look at Columbus last year sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, who saw that coming? Everyone thought the big bad, the big bad Tampa Bay Lightning. It's usually the big bad Bruins. But we use the, we're going to switch it over to Tampa Bay. We're going to beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, no problem. That didn't happen. So it makes it interesting where the top seed teams are playing for a certain matchup, right? That's interesting to me. Yeah. And and I think and I think it gives you a lot more hockey to watch. Now, from the proposed playoff format that you talked about, I believe the first two rounds, five games, last two rounds, seven games is a mistake. I understand that you want to you want to make it as quickly as possible, but you're giving those two first rounds a little bit of discreditation. Like it's it's not really the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, it's still not the Stanley Cup Finals, right? Because it's not. Okay, you duped it out for the entire regular season, and now you play four sets of game seven of, of seven games, and whoever bests all that wins the whole tournament. This has been well, you were kind of in the running, so we're giving you a shot anyway. And to do it in five games is is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think the format makes sense because the way Batman articulated it is is like the way the playoffs races were is like there were teams that were too close that had that would have had a chance to chase down the teams in the playoffs positions yep. that were not able to complete their seasons. Like the Rangers, obviously they were only a point or two out of a playoff spot in there. 
the Columbus Blue Jackets yeah. were a, a point behind the Islanders they, with a game in hand, and they wouldn't miss the playoffs on if they just took the top 16 in. It was not been fair. And this way, also, the conspiracy theorists point out, get you Chicago and Montreal into the bracket, and you get two of the biggest NHL original six markets in there, which I feel like, not fun if you're a Penguins fan who has to deal with Carey Price in the best of five series. I mean, you got a lot of original six six teams in here. You got Boston, you got Toronto, you got New York, you got Montreal, you got Chicago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got a lot of original six teams in there. Now, the other thing that people could argue is, well, what was the rest of the regular season looking like for these teams that were just at the cusp of a playoff spot? Right? So let's let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Rangers. What were their schedules looking like prior to this? Were they going up against the Bruins, the St. Louis, the Avalanches of the league? Or were they going up against the New Jersey Devils or the Detroit Red Rings of the league? Because if they were going to go up against the Detroit Red Rings and the, and the De- Devils of the league, yeah, they had the shot to climb the ladder. But if they were going against the big boy, did they really have a shot at making the playoffs this year? So I can see where both sides come from where they say, well, this is concerning because you're just throwing teams in that were close that necessarily didn't make it, which I agree. The Rangers, if they had a hard, if they had a hard schedule coming up, they need to earn that spot to get into the playoffs. This was just like, well, you were close so you're in. Yeah. The Rangers so then, did have the, a hard, hard so schedule Detroit, coming up. Right. So the Detroit Red Wings of the league are going, well, if you're just throwing people into the playoffs, why can't we just get thrown in? And if you're going to let them play in, why don't we just give it a try? Anything can happen in the playoffs, right? Yeah, that's so that, now, that so, was true. So, so now you got you have those two sides. I think it's going to be fun because I just want to watch hockey. Um, and, of course, I'm a Rangers fan, so I'm excited that they get a chance to play for this championship. But um, it, it's definitely controversial. Yeah, it's extremely controversial. And before we dive into some of these specific teams here, you want to give me a, like a sort of like general sense of the league again? Because I have not really, was not really in a hockey mode that, at the point of the shutdown. Can you tell me, like, give me a little bit, but like, who like the top teams were when we were closing it all down and like where like things were starting to trend? Yeah. So, I, I mean, the top, let's talk about just, just by conference, right? I yeah. mean, the, the top teams in the East were the Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington Capitals. Um, that was of all the of, of all the East. Close behind were the Flyers, the Penguins, the Hurricanes. Then you have the Islanders, Maple Leafs, Blue Jackets, Panthers, the Rangers, and the Montreal Canadiens at the bottom of that Eastern Conference list. Okay, the teams out of that playoff uh, that 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 uh, you know, cool. I don't want to say playoff spot, but like that area was the Buffalo Sabers, the Devils, the Senators, and the Red Wings. All right. Yeah. Um, if you go to the West, the Blues were on top of the Western Conference, reigning champions, okay? Um, Colorado Avalanche, mark my words, they're going to win a cup in, in the next three years. They are. They have been riding some sort of wave, and the Colorado Avalanche have been phenomenal, and if they keep healthy and they keep moving in the direction they can, and if McCarr gets even better with Rantanen and McKinnon, they're going to be unstoppable. Um, Golden Knights are also in that mix. They've been in the mix since... Uh, the expansion draft, which has been an amazing story. Behind them, you have the Dallas Stars, the Edmonton Oilers, the National Predators. Then you start to drop off with the Canucks, the Flames, the Jets, the Wilds, the Coyotes, and the Blackhawks. All of those teams are in this 2014 playoff format. The three that did not get in that playoff format are actually all of the California teams, the Ducks, the Kings, and the Sharks. So all of California, you ain't watching any hockey with your team in this 2014 <laughs> playoff format, unfortunately. Um 
you know, granted, each team still had about 12 to 15 games, it looks like, 12 to 14 games left to play. Um, but it wasn't looking too promising, right? Um, Anaheim Ducks had 29 wins, the Chicago Blackouts had 32. So in 12 games, that could have flip-flopped and the Anaheim Ducks could have gotten in the, the, the column. All the Los Angeles, uh, all the California teams actually, too, all had 29 wins. Um, with about 71 or 70 games. So everyone was close. That's why it's controversial. Everyone was kind of close there in the West. The East, you kind of had a big drop-off, right? So the Buffalo Sabres had 30 wins. Montreal Canadiens had 31. It was only a one-win difference. Devils, 28. Otto, 25. And you just completely drop off the face of the earth with the Detroit Red Wings with 17 wins, which is dismal. It's just, it's horrible. I don't know what's going on in Detroit, but um, something needs to be changed there. So the state of the league is is... It's pretty much, I don't want to say the same as years prior, but the same familiar names keep coming up. Avalanche, Knights, uh, Edmonton Oilers is in the mix now. Um, East Conference, I feel like the Eastern Conference has been um, the strongest, but also the most predictable. Bruins, Lightning, Capitals, Penguins, Maple Leafs, they're usually in it. We threw the Philadelphia Flyers in this year. We threw the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Hurricanes in. So it. You know, the Panthers are kind of squeaked in there with everyone else for the playing round. So the state of the league is pretty much where you where you expect it to be. There's no really major differences. I would say out of all of them, the Philadelphia Flyers and the Dallas Stars are my, you know, top like, oh, wow, picks. Like, oh, they, they're actually doing well where I didn't think they would. Um, my, my, my team that I'm actually very, very disappointed in is the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona Coyotes made some big moves, got Phil Kessel, and they've just not been doing well. Yeah, the Coyotes were a mess. I do want to also point out here, the Blues doing very well. And since we did mention the Blues, we have to play this. Oh, please. Love I wonder how they're going to do in this thing. That is probably one of the best win songs. Yeah. Right? Like, I think the Rangers need to take a, a play out of their book because they have this, like, I mean, it, it's very nostalgic, but they got to update their win song, yeah. their victory song. They really do. Yeah. I I honestly think they do fine. I mean, they, a powerhouse, another powerhouse team. They're riding off a high of a huge comeback season last year. And I mean huge. These guys were in dead last at the All-Star break dead last and they came back to win the cup as one of the stronger teams a couple controversial calls what stanley cup playoff series doesn't have that um but yeah come they're riding off a huge high and and i think they take that momentum i mean right now the blues are going to be playing in that in that round robin seed um you know we talked about these let's talk about the west really quick if you don't mind the sure. Blues, the Avalanche, the Knights, and the Dallas Stars are going to be playing in that round-robin tournament to see how they seed. First seed will play the winner of Calgary, Winnipeg. Okay, Going to be honest, those two teams, I have no problem facing. Okay, Especially with how Calgary and Winnipeg have been pretty dull this year. As much as they squeaked in at the 8-9 spot for the conference, not the most exciting teams to watch this year. Oilers and the Blackhawks, whoever wins that, will face the number four seed. Canucks wild that's who's going to face the two seed predators coyotes is going to is going to face the three seed when I go down that line 
the two teams, I'll, I'll, I'll be generous and do three, the three teams I would worry about there are the Oilers, the Canucks, and the Wild. All right. Now, the Wild was in that 10 spot, but the Wild have been consistently in the playoffs for how many years now? I mean, it's just every year they're in the playoffs in the playoffs. I think last year was one of the first years in a while or two years ago um, where they didn't make the playoffs. Canucks and Oilers, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are unstoppable right now. I wouldn't want to face them. I wouldn't want to face the Canucks, and I wouldn't want to face the Wild. The Predators, the Coyotes, the Blackhawks, the Calgary Flames, and the Winnipeg Jets have holes that you can beat. So unless the Blues get the Oilers, I think the Blues will be fine. But again, you have other teams that are just going to demolish these these playing teams. The Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Dallas Stars. The Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup Finals their first year. Pretty much that whole team has Stanley Cup Final experience or playoff experience. You have Max Pacioretty in there. You got Statsny in there. All right. Plus, you have a slew of Vegas Golden Knight players that were there from day one. They got drafted from the expansion draft. Um, perfect example, Mark andre Fleury, who have won Cups and have been to the Stanley Cup. A lot of presence there on the Vegas Golden Knights. All right? Dallas Stars, they're a little iffy for me. But again, they're there in that top four spot. They're there for a reason. They have a powerhouse team as well. So the Blues, I don't think, have a very tough path to a third to, to a first round because the playing rounds I consider the first round, you know, I think they're fine. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The Wild getting in there is very interesting because that was also my preseason pick to be in the cup final again against the Capitals. So thanks to this expanded format, I still have a shot. There you go. See, you definitely do. And the Blues and the Capitals are both in that top four team reseeding, you know, uh, round robin tournament. Yes, it is going to be interesting to watch. And before we dive into the locals for a minute, I wanted to point out, like, a question. You mentioned this earlier, an interesting point. Do you Obviously, this is a very radically different cup playoffs. You have more teams in it. We had a, basically, by the time they play, again, a three-and-a-half-month break in the season. And, right, you have the potential that, obviously, they're going to be doing daily testing at the site. But, obviously, if somebody gets the, the virus, they're going to be out of the commission for a couple of weeks. So, like... Does it give this whole playoff cup run asterisk, basically? Because, like, imagine if, say, the Oilers make the run to the finals, then Connor McDavid tests positive and he can't play. Like, how big an asterisk do you think this whole experience takes on? You know, the asterisk, I think, lies in how credible winning the championship is, not if someone gets sick. I mean, Connor McDavid can go down with flu-like symptoms any time of the season, COVID or not. And they're not going to say, well, the Stanley Cup didn't matter because Connor McDavid got sick or he got injured or whatever, right? So I'm not going to put the asterisk on that. I'm going to put the asterisk on, well, this isn't the conventional way to win the Stanley Cup. If I were if I were Gary Bettman, I would say, look, because of everything going on, we're not going to have a Stanley Cup winner. We're going to have like, I don't know, the COVID Cup winner or like, <laughs> or like we'll, we'll, we'll make a different sort of like championship to say you won this year but it's, it's not really the stanley cup all right the stanley cup is you play 82 games you hit the bracket you grind it out for 7 14 so uh, 21 28 games to get to the final and win the final this is this is a little different if my rangers win the cup this year i'm gonna be honest with you I'm not going to feel like they won the Stanley Cup. It, it, it just It's because it's different and the circumstances have made this format to be. If we didn't have COVID, 24 teams wouldn't have made this playoffs. The Rangers could have also missed the playoffs, and they wouldn't have been even a thought in the postseason. So 
I don't put the asterisk on, well, what if someone gets sick? I put the asterisk on, if even if all the teams stay healthy, just the way that this was proposed and pushed in, I think it's great to have hockey and finish out a season for the fans and for the players. I just, I don't know if I'll be like, oh, yay, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. I would, I would consider it different. I would make it a different kind of trophy. Something that, like, during lockout years, you can say that's the championship. Or during these kind of situations, that's the championship they won. Not the Stanley Cup. Because it is different. It's a different... It's not like a format change where that's going to be... This is the way it's going to be for years to come. This is just a, this is a, a, a change just for this season, hopefully. Yeah, so I, I, I guess That's you. where the asterisk lies with me. I get you there. I also feel like... I think if the Rangers do win, I think your eyes would be a lot different than it is right now. I just think at that point, like, yes, like, it's, imagine, I know it's tough because obviously they, you're not going to have a parade. You won't be able to win it at the Garden or wherever. But, like, the end of the day, it's still a championship your team wins. Yo, know, 100% it's a championship, except I probably wouldn't go around and be like, yeah, Stanley Cup winners 20 points. Like, I wouldn't, like, to me, it's not the Stanley Cup. To me, it's a different thing. You know, this yeah. to me, you know, I think of, of, of the world, right? Like the World Cup of Hockey. Like someone won a championship there, but no one was like, oh my God, you know, Team North America is, is the Stanley Cup. You know, it was a different tournament, played with a lot of different players, with different rules. So I, to me, I think they should have came up with something a little different than this is you're playing, you playing for the Stanley Cup. Because they can use this for, for, for lockout years where it's like a, like a short season, right? They can use this for different, you know, God forbid anything happens um, where we have another quarantine, not going, we don't, or whatever. Like, you can use something like this as, okay, it's a championship, but it's not the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, I get that. Let's go to the Rangers right now because the Rangers, when we put the season on pause, they were in the race, but they were sort of in trouble because Chris Cryer just broken his foot. He was out for a while. They were going through a meat grinder yes. part of the schedule. They were playing. They were fighting hard. The odds are they would not have made it. Now they have new life. They are in the first round. Cryer will be back for this round. And they get a team that they have done historically well against the Carolina Hurricanes. So how do you feel about the Rangers right now going into this 2014 playoff? Yeah, I think the Carolina Hurricanes are a beatable team, especially in this playing round uh, with a healthy Kreider, a, a healthy everyone, right? So um, Igor Shesterkin was, was in a car accident prior to the end of the season with Pavel Bushnevich and Pavel Bushnevich was able to return to play while Igor was not, or if he did return to play, it was like right before this quarantine hit. Um, Bushnevich was sh- shooken up. He wasn't himself. Uh, it took him a couple games to like finally maybe score one, but you kind of see he's not really there uh, mentally. I think personally, um, Panarin healthy, Zibanejad healthy. Um, if Shesterkin becomes the number one in a playoff situation, which I'm going to be honest with you, I'd start Lundqvist, but you know, that's my opinion. Um, but if Shesterkin's the number one, he'll be healthy. So you're going to see playoff hockey with a lot of healthy, non worn down players, right? So they usually have a three month to four month off season, um, three to five month off season, uh, depending on if, how far they go in the postseason or if they even made the postseason. You're going to get players who've had that break going full speed in the playoffs. And Chris Kreider, when it comes to full speed, is probably one of the fastest guys out there. Um, I mean, he's no Connor McDavid or Matt Barzal, but he, he's got some wheels. So Chris Kreider being healthy is pivotal to this playing round. Pivotal. Um, 
What's also interesting about the Carolina Hurricanes is that we actually have a first-round pick from the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so it was a conditional pick that was made on the 24th right before all this went down. It was the Brady-Shea trade. Um, the New York Rangers will receive the lateral lower of either the Carolina or Toronto's 2020 first-round picks, right? So depending and, – and both those teams are in playing rounds. So depending on where those guys lie, you know, let's say – we beat Carolina, our pick gets a little lower because Carolina didn't go up. Same thing with Toronto. If Carolina and Toronto make it to, to the you know almost the finals, our first-round pick with Carolina and Toronto could be a higher pick too. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Obviously, the Rangers are not going to be like, we can get another pick out of this, let's tank. They're going to play their hearts out. But I also find that a cool little dynamic there. Um, but I, I think I think it's a ideal matchup. I think if they were to have to go against you know a Toronto team or a Pittsburgh team or even the Islanders, I don't think they'd have a big a, a, a big shot at winning. Carolina, I like the odds. Yeah, and the other interesting thing about Carolina series is the whole idea that Henrik Lundqvist has owned the Panther on the Hurricanes and of course his career. He beat them a couple times this season already, and you wonder that neither Chester, either Shesterkin or Alexander, Alexander Gorgiev have huge playoff experience. Like, do you think there's a shot where maybe if Hank looks good in the camp, that you, in training camp, they give him a shot here to be a playoff goalie again? I think Hank has a chip on his shoulder right now. I'm going to be honest. As much as I understand why the Rangers are going with the young talent, I think Henrik Lundqvist has that chip on his shoulder going, hey, I can still play and you're wrong about me. Let these kids learn from me. And I think he's suffering from a little um, – Pardon the analogy, but a little Tim Tebow syndrome. Um, I'm not going to sit here and make the argument that Tim Tebow was a huge quarterback that was the best thing ever to happen to football. But the guy barely played on the Jets. They put him in for a couple snaps. He was horrible. I think this is what's happening with Lundqvist. I think that the times they do start him, it's against hard teams. The last time I saw Lundqvist start was against Philadelphia. Like That's the team you put him in against after he's been practically not playing the whole season. Like Give me a break. Right? You got to give the guy a shot to warm up. He's barely played the season behind Georgiev and Shesterkin now that he came through. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. He's not, Lundqvist is not playing backup numbers, but they aren't starting numbers. So I think, I think Lundqvist has a little chip on his shoulder, and I think he wants to show the Rangers, like, hey, as much as I'm loyal to you guys, you got to be a little loyal to me and start me here, and I'm going to play my heart out. And Lundqvist has been phenomenal in the playoffs. So I, I, if, if I'm Quinn, I'm starting him. Yeah, I feel like you could take a chance on him and say, you know, like, let's see if Hank gets the magic back for a little bit. And, like, we go on a run here because I feel like if he drops the first game, then you can go to Chesterkin and just take a shot there. But I think given Hank's success see, against, the see, Panthers, where... against the Panthers, against the Hurricanes, I think that's worth a shot. Right. So now, but that's also where the five-game thing comes into play, right? If you have seven games, it's worth it to give one quest a shot. And if you lose one, okay, you can move. But if it's only five games, you need you need to get that momentum started early. You need that game one, right? So if it's going to be five games, if you're going with Lundqvist, you probably got to stick with them. Yeah, that's interesting. Let's just call with them and see what they do here. We'll go to the other team from the area that made the playoffs, the Islanders, and they were going the wrong direction. They were backsliding after that really hot start. I think personally that they would have missed the playoffs if the season been able to play out because their schedule was a little tricky coming down the stretch. They were fading fast, but they're here. They get the Florida Panthers. What do you think about the Islanders' chances in that matchup? 
Yeah, so the Islanders are still a strong team, in my opinion. I understand that they did a backward slide, and, and if with the tricky situation that was the returning, was that schedule, I agree with you. I think if the schedule played out, um, I think they had 68 games played, I believe. Yep. Yeah, they had 68 games, so they had 14 games left. That's a good chunk of points that they could leave on the table. Um, they, they get, I think they get lucky in getting the Panthers in this play-in. It would have been a little easier if they got Montreal. Um, but the Panthers, as much as I like them as a team, I don't think they're a complete team yet. Um, but Brofsky, I feel, is a little too hot and cold down there in Florida. No pun intended with the hot and cold part. Um, but, but uh, you know, I, I, the Islanders have speed and they have a lot of uh, – they have a great coach behind them and they have a great uh, leader in um, – they have a great leader in Anders Lee, right? And they also have Matt Barzell, Okay. The, the, the next JT, and I know probably a lot of Islander fans are going to get mad at me for saying the John Tavares, and I know it's too soon still, but um, they have they have the skilled players. If you match them up against Panthers, I think their top skilled players are much better than the Panthers' top, top skilled players. Um, it, it might come down to a goalie matchup and how Bobrovsky is playing. If Bobrovsky standing on his head, just like any other playoff team, it's going to be very hard to win against a team that the goalie is really hot. So um, I like the Islanders' chances. Um, I don't like the Islanders' chances in the first round after the playing round. They're going to have to go up against the Bruins, the Tampa Lightning, the Philadelphia Flyers, or the Capitals. And I just think any of those teams are just going to wipe the floor with the Islanders. Um, but then again, they also did sweep the Pittsburgh Penguins So in the playoffs. So I, as much as I want to make that prediction, you never know. Um, playing round, I think they're okay. But I think once they get to round one to play against the big four, I think uh, they're going to have a little bit of a problem. Yeah, they are. and. One other thing intriguing to see is that something has not been brought up yet is how big these rosters will have to get to accommodate like the potential of people testing positive to coronavirus. So I think you're and usually it's like twenty three man roster, like twenty three man rosters, and you basically have a couple of healthy scratches. I think you're going to have to have a nice size taxi squad here. You know, with everything that's going on with COVID and everything we've heard from our our um, government and our experts, right? What are the experts saying? If you come in contact with someone who has COVID, you yourself should quarantine for 14 days, right? Because you don't want to affect anyone else. Those men that play hockey, if one person on the team is affected with COVID, does that mean the whole team has to quarantine for 14 days? Like, what's the regulation with that? So if the regulation for us is if, if Mike, for example, if, if I had COVID and you, and you came over uh, to do a podcast, right? You, by the regulations, you would have to quarantine for 14 days and social distance. You have a whole freaking team there sharing locker rooms, sharing shared space, sharing a hotel floor. What, what do you do? Does the whole team become uneligible to play because they don't want to affect a different team? So I wonder what the guidelines are going to be because at that point, you're going to have to have two, three, four teams worth of players on your roster because you'd have to switch them out. You'd have to go, okay, well, this team is done for two weeks. We'll have to bring in the B team, right? Like, like that, the regulations need to be put into place for sports that if someone gets it, then then you, what do you do? Does, it, does, it, does the team forfeit? Does the team, like, have to not play because they don't want to affect other teams? It, it's, I think it's a bigger mess than they're making it out to be. I don't think they've thought of that part yet. Yes, I'm sure they're going to do testing every single time they enter the – the arena where you can quarantine someone before it can spread to the other teammates. But again, with contact tracers and everything going on, what's the regulation? 
Yeah, the sense I've gotten is basically the plans. They're going to test them every single day. And then, like, if you're positive, you go home. You don't get to enter the building. They probably have those rapid tests that they're supposedly developing right now to get quick results. And, like, if you're right. if and maybe, positive, and maybe you go, the, the temperature, too. If you have a temp, if you have a temperature, you get turned away as well in case you actually in case you actually have it. That would be the other regulation I would see in place. That way they minimize right. it because for these leagues, it's not worth it where you have the Rudy Gobert. If you have one positive test, you shut the whole thing down. Then why are you doing it? They have to have a plan where like people, if people get it, they can keep playing. Like, like that's basically the way it has to be. Otherwise, why are you wasting all this time and energy to do this? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I mean, they definitely have a plan. I just I just wonder what they what they do. Like what they what they say and be like, well, you were with the whole team and you have a thing that means the whole team could be infected too. Like you know, so there's going to be a lot of testing going around. I would assume. Yeah, it's a lot of testing, a lot of stuff. Like probably like you're going to be spaced out in the locker room. Don't be hanging out with your with your buddies on the team out like outside of the outside of the game, like stuff like that. Yep. A lot of stuff yep. like that to basically minimize. Basically, like, it's basically like if we're going to work, we just like socially like you do your job and you don't go hang out with your, your coworkers after work. You're going back home. Right. Yeah, and one last hockey thing before we go on to the movies, because I think that was, I think that's what we're doing today. We're doing the hockey movies. That's going to be the pop culture bit today. Yes. Which of these matchups intrigues you the most of the first of the first round matchups? The first round or the play-in rounds? The play-in rounds, the five, the five, five, twelve rounds. Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto, Columbus, and also, um, and also. Uh, Islanders Panthers and 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 the Islanders Panthers and the the Toronto and Columbus is is going to be a David and Goliath story to me. Uh, the Davids of those that story being Columbus and the Panthers, the Goliaths being New York Islanders and Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs are, are notorious for like blowing it in the playoffs. Um, granted, they've only been facing the Boston Bruins for the past few years. I mean, for some reason, they just keep getting Boston. So. Um, if they win against Columbus, they get the one seed, and if Boston wins, they're going to face Boston again in the first round, which I think is hysterical. But um, I think it's intriguing because I want to see how Toronto deals with playing a team they're not familiar playing in the playoffs, right? So they've seen Boston a lot. Now they're going to see a Columbus Blue Jacket team who swept the Toronto, uh, who swept the Tampa Bay Lightning, all right? It wasn't like they swept the st louis blues back when they were in last place uh, in the you know in the, the all-star break they swept the tampa bay lightning so i wonder how toronto responds with that new york islanders and the panthers again i wonder how Bobrovsky's playing with the panthers the reason why the calgary winnipeg thing intrigues me is because i calgary i would say is doing better than winnipeg i mean obviously in the standings calgary's eight winnipeg's nine Winnipeg has been a mess since Dustin Bufflin was like, I'm not coming back this year or whatever. It was just, it was just a mess. They lost Truba to the New York Rangers. Um, they lost Kevin Hayes to the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, um, I just, I just want to see how gritty that game goes because skillfully, I don't think, you know, except for the, the Goudreaux and the Wheelers and the Shifleys of those two teams, they have the skill, but I don't know if the skill matches up with teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Vancouver Canucks or the Edmonton Oilers, like they may have to really grit this, this series out. Um, I would also love to see, and I, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but I would love for this to happen. If Calgary beat Winnipeg and the Oilers beat the Blackhawks, and then those two teams were to go and beat the one in four seed to play each other, 
in the second round. That would be very interesting because Calgary and, and, and Edmonton have been going at each other all season long. So that is what I'm looking for. That would make great playoff hockey, and that would make great TV too. Yeah, great stuff for sure. I'm going to take a break from the hockey. We will talk some hockey movies right after this. Gotta keep the uh, sounds coming, Pete. The hockey, the hockey soundboard. Time to talk some hockey movies. I, I mean, you got it all, Mike. I mean, yeah. you have all the bells and whistles here. Yeah, it's basically everything I would do down in New Rochelle. I'm doing from the from my house right now. That's, I mean, how how it can't be any better than that, right? Yeah, it would be nice to be able to do it with people, but we're not there yet. We'll talk some. Yeah, we're almost there. Yeah, maybe a couple of weeks, couple more weeks, we'll be able to do it with people. But right now, we are still socially distancing. We're gonna talk some movies. I've been, Pete, I don't know if you're aware, I've been doing pop culture on the podcast every single week since this whole thing started. So, I'm glad every single week, Mike. Literally every single week. We had Sandra Rose been out a couple of times. John Stanko's been out a couple of times. We got some great new faces in the mix. Last week I talked golf movies with Alan Austin. This week we're talking some hockey movies, which I feel like you're you're well equipped for. Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple. I've definitely seen a couple. All right, so let's give me quick give me some honorable mentions that did not make your top three. All right, so um, that did not make my top three. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with um, Goon Two, Last of the Enforcers. Um, that did not make my top three. Uh, the, the the Mighty Ducks Two and Three did not make my top three. Young Blood did not make my top three. Um, and very, very close, uh, mystery Alaska did not make my top three, but those are all great. I mean, I probably just named pretty much every hockey movie made, but those were, those are all great movies that I just did not, I could not put in my top three. A lot of good. And for those of you, and for those of you at home looking for a drinking game, drink every time I said top three. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. We will, we'll do that. And I also want to say here, let's go to the, to your top three. What's number three on the Pete Count story hockey movie rankings. So number three has to be the Mighty Ducks. The original. The original Mighty Ducks, the classic. Coach uh, Bombay drives onto the ice in his limousine, and he has to get all these kids to play a hockey, play, play as a hockey team, and he has to get over his own stuff going on. And, and it, it, I, I just love it. I think it's a great movie. Um, Disney, uh Big Disney fan too, and that's maybe why I'm a little biased about that. But um, yeah, love the Mighty Ducks. I also think it's ironic that they actually Disney actually found an NHL team to get the Mighty Ducks movie more branding. Well, so so Disney owned the Mighty Ducks, man, like the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, right? So the so the Disney bought the expansion rights to a team in Anaheim, and that's why they were the Mighty Ducks. And then they were later sold from Disney, and that's why they just turned to the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so I think I can't. I can't remember. I think the team was purchased after the movie. Yeah. Or before. I think it was after. Because I think they, they. It was after. Yeah, they needed, right. They need right. the, the Mighty Ducks because so the movie. Too. Right, right. Yeah, so so they, they purchased the team after. I wish Anaheim brought those Mighty Ducks jerseys back. <laughs> I, I really do. Those, I mean, not just as an alternate. Like, that. use that logo. Like, just, I mean, they probably can't because Disney owns the rights and they probably will never sell the rights to it. But, like, 
try to do something with it because that 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 jersey is probably one of the sickest old school jerseys ever. Yeah, I think right out there with the Hartford Whalers jersey. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I miss I miss Hartford. By the way, we should. I I just feel so bad about that franchise. Never, they'll never come back. But they had the cla- best uniforms ever. I mean, when we saw them go get brought out in Carolina like this year as an alternate, it's like people were loving. That them. was cool. Yeah, that was cool. I I would like to see more teams do that. Actually, I mean, there was there was uh, rumors or like talkings about Colorado maybe doing a Quebec Nordiques alternate. Yeah. Um, uh, I believe that's what it was. Who who, uh, who they came from? Uh, yeah, that was, that's it. You know, I, yeah, I think I think uh, I think that would be really cool if they, if more teams did that. Yeah, imagine if the Devils brought out like the Colorado Rockies alternates. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, that's honestly or like the Winnipeg Jets brought brought out the Atlanta Thrashers. Yeah. Or you know, the, something like that. I think that'd be really cool. Even the original Winnipeg Jet logo. I think that's a classic. Yeah, they did that though. They brought back the original Winnipeg Jet logo, which is which is which is fire. Like that's yeah. that's also another really really cool throwback. Um, their baby blue ones are like I like them, but I don't at the same time. Like I think their logo could have been better on them. But um, the Atlanta Thrashers that would be a cool throwback to have. Like maybe a couple games. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so mighty the original Mighty Ducks number three. What went wrong with the second two? Why didn't Why didn't they make the cut for you? You know they're great movies. They're great, great movies. But I just, I, you always got to give props to the original, right? Like sequels and 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 the sequel, the, the sequel, and then the third movie for some reason never do it for me for for films. I mean, uh, you know, maybe for the Star Wars franchise, you know, I liked uh, Revenge of the Sith better than Phantom Menace. But um, for for the Mighty Ducks movies, they were very good. The storyline of one, though, I think was like the best. It was like, this is what the Mighty Ducks is about. And then the rest is like, okay, we're just going to continue that story, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I get you there. Let's go to number two. What's number two on your list? Number two is probably the original hockey movie, Slapshot. Yeah, I would agree with that. That That's a fantastic movie. The, the Hanson brothers, the Chiefs. The 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 it it almost you know it's like the movie Major League took a took a play out of of Slapshot's book right so like if you ever watch the movie Major League but you never watched the movie Slapshot think of Major League but hockey and a little bit uh, um, more adult a little dirtier in the, in the humor um, a little darker in the humor um, it's about this rundown team where they have a player manager who's trying to save the team who's trying to make you know break the NHL. He's, he's over the hill. You know, they make him seem like he's over the hill kind of, and he just keeps playing. And, and his, his strategy is to use fighting instead of playing. And, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just a classic, it's just a classic hockey movie all in all. Yeah. I have to say like, whenever I like just want a good, like, you know, like laughing, like I just want sports, but I don't want me taking too seriously. Slap shots a go-to for me. Yeah, no slap shots. Fantastic. It's honestly fantastic. And and I think and I think it was ahead of its time with the dark humor because yeah. you know stuff like that was probably looked at as very um, inappropriate. But I for for audiences now, if you have not watched Slapshot and you're looking for a good hockey movie to start off with, um, except for my number one, I would say Slapshot's a great movie to start off with. Yeah, that's a good tease for your number one. Where are we going to the top of the list? We are going to 1980, The Miracle on Ice. Uh, Miracle, uh, another Disney-produced movie. That is my top hockey movie of all time. I've probably seen it about 800 times. Um, what a fantastic 
display of what happened there in the 1980 Olympics and how Herb Brooks took all these players, a lot from rival teams, to play as one, to beat an unbeatable Russian team at the time. I think Russia has was winning for the past 20 years or something before the 1980 USA team came along and, and finally beat them uh, up in Lake Placid. What a fantastic movie. Yeah, the movie's very well done. Actually, I had a chance, I think, last year on the Holiday Special podcast, he spoke to Ross Greenberg, the exact producer of that movie, and he had some good stories about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a uh, you know, if you watch the documentary on it and just hearing Mike Rizzioni and, and all the all the teammates that would talk about how Herb was as a person compared to as a coach, it was amazing to see how hard he was as a coach, but yet how, how amazing of a person he was. And just to hear the how, how connected these people were with Herb and and um, I'm talking like I knew him, uh, <laughs> Coach Brooks, um, you know, and how how he, I mean, he pretty much united the players all in the fact that they all hated him when they were training. They, they came to understand what he was doing, but he was very hard on his players, very, very hard. And the movie, if you ever watch Miracle, they, they kind of lighten it up a bit. I think Herb, I think Herb Brooks was even uh, not worse to his players, but even harder on his players. But because it was a Disney movie for families, they couldn't really show all of the the, the drills and then all the, the the yelling and everything that he did. You know, so um, honestly, if you're looking for uh, an overall good movie in general that's about hockey and also American history, I would go with Miracle. Yeah, I have to say, I, I think a lot of stuff you mentioned was basically covered in montages or basically show them going through all the drills. But, like, the one iconic scene in that movie, and this is one that Ross talked about in the interview with me, is at the scene after the exhibition loss in Norway when they're very lackadaisical, the scene where they're doing the Herbies on the ice for hours after the game, and then they shut the lights off on them. Like, that's, I think, the most iconic hockey scene in a movie of all time. Yeah, and, and probably the, the most iconic hockey moment and line of all time. Uh, you know, he, I think that's where, and I don't want to give anything away or spoil the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it because it's still, it's just a timeless classic in my book. I mean, the, the movie came out a while ago, but I still think it's something you should see for yourself that shouldn't be explained. But um, in that moment, that's where you see the players start to finally realize like we are a team playing for our country. And this is not just some sort of game. It means more than just the game of hockey, and I and and I, it, you know, it, you just have to kind of see it to understand. Um, you know, just in case you don't know what a Herbie is, because uh, Mike mentioned it. Uh, if you ever played basketball, if you ever uh, played football, the suicides where you'd have to go to a certain line, go back to the original line, go even farther. Um, Herbie's was pretty much suicides with the lines of hockey. So you would start off at one goal line. Go to the blue line, come back to the goal line. Go to the center line, go back to the goal line. So it was pretty much suicides, but on skates. Yeah, that scene was great. I mean, they went through all the detail. They showed like guys like puking on the ice. They were, yep. they went, they did not spare you any details in that. And I think that really adds to the realism of the moment. A hundred percent. Yeah. I also highly recommend, and this is another shameless plug for me, go back and listen to my interview with uh, Ross Greenberg about, this is basically his entire career. We spent a couple minutes talking about Miracle, and he had some interesting insights about the production value of that movie. I mean, yeah, I mean that that, that interview was probably amazing. Uh, just to hear, just to sit in the same room as him and just hear him talk about how he was a pivotal part of making that movie. Um, so yeah, you definitely, you guys should definitely check that out. 
Yeah, he had a, like that's the career of Ross Greenberg. That that interview we talked about hard knocks. Talked about some of his early work. We talked about some stuff he's working on. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, Pete. He's also the guy who's been behind the Rose of the Stanley Cup series for ESPN Plus the last couple of years as well. He's been doing that. Didn't he also have a hand in the hundred years of the NHL? Yes, he did. That whole yeah, no, he 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 definitely he has his hand in a lot of major stuff. You know. Anything that has to do with sports, if you've seen, like you said, uh, Hard Knocks or anything like that, you probably will see Ross Greenberg's name appear somewhere on that screen. Uh, the dude's phenomenal. He's so successful, too. And then the wisdom he has. I mean, I, I've, I've had him come into class. I mean, you had him as a professor. But, if I, you know, before he became a professor at Iona, I had him as a uh, guest speaker. And just the knowledge this dude had just off the bat, just coming in, just saying, hey, this is what I've done. Here's my resume. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, when you can walk into a room and say, I've won 38 Emmys, you're like, you sit up and pay more close attention. Like, uh, okay, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, 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 he has a phenomenal career. Phenomenal. Yeah, if only we could have the career of Ross Greenberg. Hey, listen, we, we can try. I don't know yeah. if we can do it, but we can try. Yeah, we could certainly try. And Pete, last thing is, as part of tradition here, whenever you're on the pop culture bit, I always ask these people, what have you been streaming while you're stuck at home? Like, what are some stuff you've been... Oh, man. All right. So, you guys are probably going to judge me, but I'm going to go through it. All right, here we go. I've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Hulu. Finish that up. I've been I've been catching up with the series since it started on, on live TV when they put it on Hulu. So, I'm caught up with that series. So, every time a new episode came out, I would put that on. Um, I've been watching The Good Doctor. Um, with my parents, that's been uh, not a nightly ritual, but you know, a couple times a week we'll watch The Good Doctor. Um, I've been watching a show called Holy Moly, which is a a. Um, oh my god, I watched that! I watched that too. <laughs> yeah, Holy Holy Moly is if you if you like mini golf, and then, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Wipeout. Yes, um, it's Wipeout so, with mini so golf. Wipeout was, right, so Wipeout was a show where people had to do obstacle courses, and like they would just get hammered by things. So like there'd be like a windmill, and the windmill would hit them, they'd fly into the water, or whatever. This is with mini golf. And Rob Wiggle, Rob Wiggle, Rob Riggle is with Joe Tessitore as the announcers, and they probably make the show ten times funnier than it already is. Um, so if you like watching mini golf um, with some fun and fun commentary, uh, definitely watch Holy Moly. It's on Hulu, but only season two. Like it comes out like as the season comes out, and once the season's done, it goes off Hulu because they don't have, you know like uh, uh, replayable rights, like after the season's done, I guess Hulu just has the rights to put it on after the show airs for the season. Then it goes to like a paid subscription different from Hulu or whatever, like live TV. Uh, Another show I've been binge watching is Golden Girls. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have ever seen Golden Girls. It's like usually the show, it's on like two o'clock in the morning on Lifetime or something because uh, there's nothing else on. But the Golden Girls is probably the the most sarcastic show I've seen (laughs) Uh, in in a, in a fairly fairly long time, it's an older show. It, it, I think it was aired in the '80s or something. Uh, it's it's actually really it's pretty funny. So that's what I've been streaming. Um, I obviously watched Tiger King. I watched everything but the last episode, so I got to finish that up. Um, yeah. So you know, I just a lot of stuff streaming. A lot of stuff streaming. I have uh, Solar Opposites. Um, that's in my queue. That's the new show. That's like from the makers of Rick and Morty. Um, all over the place, man. I'm all over the place. Yeah, I'll point out two things. Number one, holy moly on ABC on Thursday night. So, like, you can catch the current season live as it's airing there. Number two, I did just right. – I have been behind the times. I did just finish the original seven episodes of Tiger King myself. So, I've been catching up this week. 
And I do have to say, I, I'm watching this thing the entire time. I'm sitting there watching myself thinking, what the hell's going on out here? Like, these people are all horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, it, it says, I don't be rude, but it says a lot about our culture that we watch this and, we, and we're like, wow, these people are messed up. We're going to watch this and be entertained by it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it, it, you know, it, it's interesting stuff, but at the same time, you, like you just played, it's like, what the hell? Why would you, what, who is this guy? Who is this person? Like, it just, it's, it's, oh, I love it though. I mean, that's, we, as a culture, we, we sit there and we love it. So, I mean, you know. So do you think Carol Baskin killed her husband? Yeah, he, he, she, the, all signs lead to her. I yeah. mean, I, <laughs> If you watch the show, I mean, I don't know how the show was filmed, but like just just by the evidence that they've shown, it it doesn't really seem like it could have been anyone else. But I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm not going to it's not going to speculate. Yeah, I have to say once again, I got to throw this out again. This is another. What the hell's going on out here? Literally, this thing is just so bad. As John Stanko pointed out when I asked about it, we talked about this back in April. He watched the whole thing. He said, Mike, you're going to watch this. You're going to root for nobody. Nobody here is rootable. You feel bad for the tigers. That's all you get out of this. No, dude. Honestly, I feel bad for the animals. That's yeah. it. Like I, like, like, is it cool that you can go and pet baby tigers and stuff? Yeah, but like, just, just the amount of crap they do these these tigers and stuff. Like, just it, I, what the hell is going on out here? Is pretty much pretty much the the the, the right response. I do feel bad for the animals. Yep, I, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Pete, I want to thank you for yeah. all this time. I really appreciate it. No, listen, it's, it's always a pleasure. I love coming on, talking hockey, podcasts, uh, movies, TV shows, whatever you, whatever you want me on for, I'll, I'll come by. Yeah, we'll talk to you again once we're closer to hockey season. Like, I'm going to do a refresher on the Rangers at some point, so you'll be on there for that. I can be able to find on social media. Yeah, uh, Twitter at PJConsidori29. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, Peter J three nine two. I mean, it's really, I don't know if you want to see my pictures, but yeah, there's that. Um, Facebook's just Pete Considori. So yeah, give me a follow. Yeah, you can follow Pete there. I also I want to thank you for coming on. And if you want more good stuff like this podcast, Pete? I don't know if you saw this. I actually did a blog post this week with an instant reaction to the NHL's whole reopening plan. I basically, had a dialogue with myself answering questions that people might have about this. Did you get a chance to check this out yet? Uh, you know what? I didn't even know you did that. So so now that I know you did that, I'm going to go read like uh, a good guest does because I sh- probably should have read that prior to the show. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't know you did that, so I'm definitely going to check that out. And everyone listening to this podcast, you should go check that out because Mike Phillips has a phenomenal uh, blog out there with all of the questions being answered. So you definitely got to make sure you follow him on social media and you got to watch his listen to his podcast and you got to look at his blog. Yep, the blog's over at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to this podcast, as Pete just mentioned, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for Just End the Suffering there. And Pete, i also putting some of these podcast segments on YouTube now, so our conversations will be up on YouTube. We're hitting every platform, Mike. Yep, it's at Mike Phillips on YouTube. Search for that there. Feel free with your feedback and star ratings on like this podcast even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter, as Pete said. I'm at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. I think the hashtag this week has to be holy moly. Oh, no, it has to be. Yeah. 100%. Hashtag holy moly. Next week, we're going to have a good show next week, Pete. We're going to talk some NBA stuff. We're going to talk the return of the NBA. My legal guy, Phil Frey, is going to be on to talk about the hub models that leagues are offering. We're also going to talk to Sam DeRosa about Space Jam and more. Until then, hope you have a better week. 
then the the Tom Brady golf game. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.